0: Genesis chapter 26, and the title of my message today is "The Holy Spirit Flow." How many people want the Holy Spirit to flow through them? How many people have sensed God already started to work doing something in their lives already start to, to bubble up? and uh, you know we're maybe not experiencing the fullness of that yet, but something has started to happen on the inside of us. And so I want us to, to read from verses 12 of Genesis chapter 26. Then Isaac sold in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. And the man began to prosper, continued prospering until he became very prosperous. For he had possessions of great flocks and herds and a great number of servants, so the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father's servant had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, and they filled them with earth. And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. And then Isaac departed there and pitched his tent in the valley of Jurah and dwelt there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. And he called them, by name, by the names which his father had called them. And Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well running water there. But the herdsmen of Jorah quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, "The water is ours." And so he called the name of the well Ezek, because they quarreled with him. And then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that, and also he called the name Sitnah. And so he moved from there and dug another well, and he did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth, because he said, From now on the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. And then he went from there to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him the same night. And said, I am the Lord your God, of father Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you and I will multiply you, your descendants, for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. And he pitched his tent there and there Isaac's servants dug the well. And Abimelech came to him from Joah with Ahazach. And one of his friends and Fickle, the commander of his army, and Isaac said to them, Why have you come here to me, since you hate me, and have sent me away from you? But they said, We have certainly seen that the Lord is with you. So we said, Let there now be an oath between me and you and us, and let us make a covenant with you, that you will do us no harm, since we have touched we have not touched you. And since we have done nothing to you but good and have sent you away in peace, you are now the blessed of the Lord. And so you made them a feast and they ate and drank. And then they arose early in the morning and swore an oath with another. And Isaac sent them away and they departed there in peace. And it came to pass the same day that Isaac's servants came and told him about the well which they had dug and said to him, we have found water. And so he called the name Sheba, and therefore the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Isaac. And we thank you, Father God, that he dug the wells of Abraham. And how we're moving into a season, Father God, to move deeper in the things of the Spirit. And so, Father God, we ask you, in the name of Jesus, to go deeper in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name. Touch our lives. Stir us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you read this passage, you see a few things. Number one, Isaac is not struggling. He's quite well off. He's got lots of money. I mean, he's got loads of sheep. He's got loads of cattle. Uh, he's doing pretty well for himself. And then suddenly, he's got this call of God on his life. He's blessed by God. God's appeared to him. Uh, he's told a few lies regarding his wife, and Abimelech's not best pleased, but sent him off. And, and then he just decides, I'm going to redig the wells. I'm going to redig the wells, what Abraham did. And so we notice from this passage that he didn't start digging his own wells and going his own way, but he started following the pattern of his father, Abraham. And, and what a great man to follow, you know, the father of faith. And here he steps out and he starts to dig these wells and he starts to do something new and something different. Now you recognise, even though he had all this money, and this is where we need to be very careful this morning when we have material possessions. He had loads of possessions, I mean he was rich beyond measure, but he didn't have a basic need in his life met. The basic need for water. Without water there's not much you can do. I think you can last something like three days without water before you die and go to heaven. As long as you're going to heaven, Amen. Uh, So three days. So he didn't have any water. So all the sheep, all the cattle, all the possessions meant nothing because he had to get in to digging digging wells. He had to go out and start to find water. This was his commission. And he started to dig these wells afresh. I want to encourage you this morning that unless you have a deep relationship with God, you're not going to experience that water of eternal life. Unless you have that deep connection with God, our basic need as a Christian, our basic need is our relationship with God. Uh, And so Isaac's on a journey, he's trying to find water Uh, and it's our relationship with God that is the most important. Paul says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. I want to ask you this question this morning, do you really want to know Christ? I mean, do you really want to know Christ? Do you want to go deeper in your relationship with Christ? Do you want to get to know Christ? Do you even know Christ? You know, as I've been on a journey over in KT for the last 22, 23 years of my life, we go through different experiences on this journey, don't we? Sometimes we're walking close with God. It's like the glory of God is like a halo on our head. And we're just there. I mean, God is there. There's never a day where God is not there. And then suddenly you go through periods where it seems like God's not there. Like he's left the building and you're praying and he ain't responding. And, and before you thought you really knew God, but then you suddenly realise, you know what? I don't, don't think I know God anymore. I've done great things for God. Uh, we've seen great miracles in the church. We, we've seen great things in the church, but do we know God? Do we, do we really know him? And so Paul was saying, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. So I want to encourage this morning, it's quite simple. Don't try and do great things for God if you don't know God. Don't try and do other things, amazing things, if if it's not rooted in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul says in Colossians that we are to root ourselves in our relationship with Christ. To root ourselves in Christ. Now the Bible says if we want to move forward in revival, it's this deep connection with God. This deep connection with God. So it says there that Isaac re-dug the wells. He re-dug the wells. I believe that we're moving in a season of digging. Amen? Now ladies don't get frightened this morning. Although some of the ladies are probably better gardeners than us. To dig deep. To dig deep into the things of God. Now I remember going away on a weekend when I was in Ongar. And uh, I just decided I've got to get away and pray. And I hadn't been away for a while. It was it was during my holidays, and you know why, why pray as a minister um, when you're on holiday? Why not just to have a holiday? And so that was being my theory most of the time. When you're on holiday, have a holiday. When you pray, pray. You know, but not necessarily use your holiday as prayer. But this was the first time I was desperate for God. I wanted God to do something deep in my life. And so I I said, I'm going to, I said "The Troy, listen, I'm going to use in three days. I need to go away. I need to go away and pray. I need to go away and seek God. And um, there was a lot of things pending. Uh, And when you are determined to meet with God, when you're determined to seek God, you start getting your shovel out and you start to dig deep into your relationship with God and ask the why question. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I going to church? Why why am I serving God? Why am I doing all the things I'm doing? And as you ask the why question, you start to dig deeper into the things of God. In 2006, um, we were inspired. A team of us of evangelists in KT, and uh, we were just inspired to start redigging the wells of revival in the in the rest of the country. And I, I just had this real burden to really go to the rest of the country. And I remember emailing Colin, and um, and saying, "Listen, I, I just want to go. I want to pray for the cities of England. I want to pray for the cities of the UK. I, and I just want to I want to go for it." And uh, Monday, at that time, we had Monday afternoons off uh, and I just said, I'm going to go on my Monday. I'm going to go on my Monday off and I'm going to start praying. And so we had a team of five or ten of us that would go to different cities in the UK. And when you read up stories of Wesley uh, and Whitfield, I mean Whitfield, if you've ever read about George Whitfield in the 1700s and you're reading about revival because God has called us as a church for revival. And if he's called us for revival, then we best study what God did in church history and start to redig those wells, amen? Start to redig those revivals. And as you read church history, that's why Robert and coming through town regularly to KT was really good because he'd always talk about the generals. I remember George Whitfield, in the, he, he went to Georgia and he was preaching in the middle of the Atlantic. And as he was preaching, he started off just basically doing bandages, uh, bandaging the wounds of people. And so he would just fix people, just naturally speaking. Anyone who was sick, he would do that. And then he gathered a little cell group and he preached to them. And before long, he preached to the whole boat, uh, the whole ship, and the whole ship got saved. And then suddenly they stopped in the middle of the Atlantic and George Whitfield started to preach to the other two ships that stopped in the Atlantic, these three ships. And so George Whitfield preached a message of the gospel in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean and God's presence just hit those ships and all of them responded to God uh, and got saved. And these significant things, when you read about these things in history, you think, oh, God... Did you really do that? Was that just a story? Is that something good? And then John Wesley, you know, went up and down the UK. So I remember um, saying to God, God, I just want to, I'm going to go, I'm going to pray for these churches, I'm going to simply believe God. So a small team of us went from different place to different place, laying hands on the buildings. So if it was KT, we'd lay hands on the building at KT and, and we'd just prophesy revival. And we'd just say, in the name of Jesus, this dry, dead church is going to come alive in the name of Jesus. God's going to come. God's going to come and visit this city. God's going to come and visit this town. And so there was a stirring of God. See, when we're talking about a bursting of God, we're talking about a bursting. It starts in the heart and we've got to start digging deeper into God. And I remember when we went to Bristol, uh, I remember being in the car on the M4 and as we begin to pray, uh, the presence of God just hit the car and I can't remember at that time if I was driving or I was standing still, but in the middle of that, um, I had my eyes closed, my eyes open, just seeking God and the presence of God hit that car and I remember saying these words, Lord, we pick up the baton, we pick up the baton that has been dropped by Wesley and I could see a visible baton and I remember just just gone through and say, I'll grab hold of that baton that has been left by Wesley. Now, as we drove to Bristol, when we arrived, and we parked the car. We got out of the car and we walked across the road. And when we got across the road, we saw a chapel. That chapel, it said, this chapel is the first chapel that John Wesley planted in his times of church planting. When we saw that chapel, I thought, my God, that's, that's exactly what God showed us. We were praying and we were interceding. And as we were interceding to dig these wells and to start cracking something open in the spirit, and then we've seen this. We've seen this and then we've arrived. My God, my God, this is John Wesley's chapel. And so there was a bursting, there was something happening there of revival. See, it's all about digging, digging deeper into the things of God. It's reconnecting with your history so you can reconnect with your destiny. See, when you want to go deeper in the things of God, you've got to humble yourself before the Lord. You've got to humble yourself before the Lord. Humility is the key to revival. He says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. It's the key to grace. God gives grace to the humble. It's the key to honor. Before honor is humility. It is the key to responding. We submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. It's the key to promotion. God exalts the humble. You see, when we humble ourselves before God, now last year I went through this phase of studying humility and thinking, my God, you know what, I've never studied humility. I tried to find books on the topic of humility. Was anybody humble in this place this morning? See, you're not even sure whether you should lift your hand. This is, this is the topic of humility, isn't it? You know? For me, humility is digging deeper into God because as soon as we acknowledge that we're not humble, then maybe we've got to acknowledge that we're a little proudful, that we're a little selfish, that that we're going through some stuff, we've put some things in front of God. And so humbling yourself, what that does is it, it, it brings you low before God. Now, when Isaac's digging these wells, did you know that water descends to the lowest place? Water always finds the lowest place. Did you know that 97% of fresh water is below the surface? It's down, it's right, dig deep, deep. So that's why you've got to dig a well. That's why you've got to dig deep into the things of God. You're not going to start flowing with the Holy Spirit and flowing in the things of God unless you start getting rid of the flesh and the devil and all that stuff that's in your heart. See, it says the Philistines had blocked the wells of Abraham. And so, the wells of Wesley. Where's Wesley now? He's in heaven. You know, the the wells of Whitfield, the the wells of, you know, the Salvation Army, and and those moves of God, the the wells of George Jeffreys. Where's George Jeffreys in the miracles? He's in heaven right now. Uh, Where's those miracles of George Jeffreys? They're not here today. They're in the past. But you know what? Digging a well is digging that anointing up. Digging, digging what God did and saying, God, you did it then. You can do it, you can do it now in Jesus' name. Amen. And getting before God and saying, God, we're far away from you. See, this revival or this new move of God is about turning to God. It's turning to God. And when you turn to God, it involves humility. It involves digging, digging deeper into God. And so I went away to Onga for those three days and I started digging deep into my personal life and saying, God, I want you to change me. I, I, I want something new from you. I, I want something different from you. And I remember walking into a church and I told this story at the conference and, you know, things build up over time, don't they? Things build up over time uh, and you, 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 you want to change, but you're not able to change. And you get frustrated because you're not the person you want to be. Praise God, you're not the person you used to be you're on a journey. You know, but you're frustrated and things get blocked up in the heart. See, they would blocked up the wells and it seems to me that sometimes if we want God to flow through us, we want God to do something different, we've got to ask the question, are we blocked up? Is there something blocking us from God? Sometimes self blocks us from God prioritising self. We live in a generation where it's all about self, selfie. You know, about me. Amen. Yeah. It's about me and my selfie. I'm just going to say that because it makes you laugh anyway, so that's fine. <laughs> but on a serious note, I, with my kids, I've tried to ban the words my, mine, my and mine in, in the house, and instead of saying my and mine, we say the word our. You know, or we. And uh, so we say that to Judah. And he said, I said, so it's ours, it's we. No, it's mine. No, it's ours. No, it's mine. No, you know, we're sharing it, aren't we? We're sharing it. No, it's mine. <laughs> and that's the kind of what we're like in the things of God. See, we, in order to dig deep, we've got to get rid of that word mine. It's all about me. It's all about what I do. No, it's not about me. It's, it's not about what I do. It's about what God's doing. It's about putting Jesus at the centre of your life. And how are you doing that? See, to do a superficial move is just to dig a little bit. Dig a a little bit. See, water, to get fresh water, to get this bursting of water through, do you know how far you need to dig in order to get fresh water? How far do you need to dig? You're not digging holes. You see, God hasn't called us to dig holes or to dig ditches. You know, there's a little bit of water can happen when you dig a hole. You know, you dig a, dig a deep enough, uh, maybe 10 feet, 15 feet, you get a little bit of water and you say, Oh, hallelujah, revival. Amen, I've got a little bit of freshness. Do you know how much you need to dig? 500 feet. 500 feet. I mean, you're going to be there a long time digging away. Amen. You're going to be there digging and digging and digging and digging and digging and digging and digging to get the life flow of the Spirit of God, but I want to tell you this morning that it's not just about you digging because if it was about you digging. Then you just get tired. You get tired. You get weary, and you're digging away and say, "Oh God, it's not worth it. I'm not going to get revival. I'm tired of digging." And when sometimes we get tired of going to church and we get tired of doing religion and tired of going through the motions. But it's not about you digging. It's about you digging with God's help. That's what it is about because God has a bigger shovel than you. Amen. One show from God, go t- 10 feet, 20 feet. You know what? You know, c- digging with God is easy. When we dig with God's help, then He is able to go all the way down to those 500 feet and really, really hit the mark of the freshness of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You see, digging deeper and getting God back in our lives. See, I remember my dad, if we could show the picture of my dad, dad's swimming pool. Now this is a bone of contention in our family. Remember, um, my dad 12 years ago moved to Spain and it was supposed to be this amazing thing. And it has been to a certain extent. But my mindset was like, you know what, when I go to Spain I'm going to really enjoy this swimming pool. I'm going to enjoy this swimming pool. And uh, you see a nice view and we've enjoyed some nice food, and we've enjoyed other things. But one thing that we haven't enjoyed is this swimming pool. This swimming bowl has never been filled. <laughs> this swimming ball has never been filled. So, my dad said, you know I'm going to fill it next year. I'm going to fill it. This was 12, 12 years ago. Then 11 years ago, I'm going to fill it next year. Come on Dad, I want to just have a holiday. Uh, I'm going to fill it next year, I'm going to fill it next year, I'm going to fill it next year, I'm going to fill it next year. Well, anyway, it was 12 years later, and he's actually selling the property now it hasn't been filled. So every, every time I had to go to this house, uh, it, it became a place of contention. What is the use of a swimming pool without water? <laughs> Amen. What is the use of a swimming pool without water? And not just that, but this swimming pool had rainwater in it. And this rainwater produced dirt. Dirt. And the Philistines blocked up the wells. This is not a well, this is a swim pool. Did you? My dad even decorated all of this himself. Somebody dug it uh, with a machine and he decorated all that stuff. Uh, I tell you, it doesn't matter how pretty your well is, if it doesn't have water, it's useless. See, a lot of our lives, you know, everything looks pretty on the outside, but we just got no depth on the inside. And we're blocked up and our, our reservoir, our well is not flowing. There's no life in it. There's no water in it. And I tell you, in this swimming pool, the frogs have been able to swim. The flies have been able to swim if they do that. There's, a, there's been a snake in that swimming pool. I've never been in that swimming pool, but a snake has been in that swimming pool. See, there's no point in having a swim pool with no water. Uh, things that have been blocked up, it's useless. And sometimes in our life, we've got to ask ourselves the question, how are we going deeper in God? Are we, we hitting the mark? Have we got the water of life? Jesus said he would put a well on the inside of you. He'd put a well on the inside of you, springing up to eternal life. See, religion is not having enough. Religion is not having enough. You know, when we're going through the motions, when we're trying to do it ourselves, we keep pouring out. See, how long is it going to take this morning to pour out, pour out that water? See we keep pouring out into the cell group. We keep pouring out into people's lives. We keep pouring out and then we just get dry and we get empty and we keep coming back to the church or we keep coming back to our cell leader. Or we keep coming back to other people. Maybe an older gentleman or an older lady who knows how to move in the things of God. They had this phrase in the 90s, don't rely on grandma's anointing. Don't rely on grandma's intercession. Get your own intercession. Dig your own well in God. Amen. Amen. See, my grandma went to heaven when she was 93. I can't rely on her prayers anymore. We've got to start digging deep in the things of God ourselves. We've got to leave a legacy for our children. You see, if you pour out this water, then you will be empty. But Jesus said, I'll put a well on the inside of you. And what happens is in life is that we're so trying to trust circumstances. I mean, Isaac had everything. He had possessions. He had sheep. He had oxen. He had servants. He had everything, but he just didn't have life. And it's amazing how you can go through London seeking riches, seeking a house, seeking materialism, but not have life on the inside of you. And if you're in this place this morning and you don't have life on the inside of you, Jesus said he would put a well on the inside of you, rising up to eternal life. See, if you're going to move forward in the things of God, if you're going to move forward in revival, if you're going to move forward to live the high call of God in Christ Jesus, there's going to be people who try to block you. And if you're going to move forward with God, there's going to be contention. I mean, the devil's not going to just shut up because you decided to move out in revival. You decided to do something for God. So I would say if you're going to live for God, I mean, really live for God, then there's, there's going to be contention. There's going to be quarrels. There's going to be difficulty. The challenge for us is not to get caught up in these quarrels. Not to get caught up in these arguments. I remember going through a season last year where we were trying to get our house. And uh, we would moved up to Harpenden, Toin got a job and, uh, in Luton as a consultant. That was a job, that uh, final job she's supposed to get and great opportunity. But it wasn't without difficulty, you know. And so we know, we, we say, okay, we got a job. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. But you know what, when we moved house, Um, The first person we we, we ran into was, was almost the devil. I mean, literally, we, we, we arrived in this house and, uh, and uh, we just basically said, you know what, we want you to fix a few things in the house. And the, the landlord said, you know what, you guys are uh, really bad um, uh, tenants. And, and she started accusing us of things. And you know when someone accuses you of things that you haven't done? You know, you've got two points of call. One, you're really angry and want to rip their head off. Two, you want to forgive them because Jesus said so. <laughs> And, and I don't know which one you're at you're over here or you're over here but they set off some things in motion in me on some days I'm like I want to rip her head off on other days I want to forgive her but you know what sometimes forgiveness is a journey sometimes forgiveness and you're got to work these things through sometimes God allows things in your life so that when you finally get to the place he has for you you're going to really value it you're going to really value it and uh, it seems like she just decided. You know, you get those people who just decide to contend with you. Why are you contending with me? Because. Because I don't like you. Because. And you get those types of people. The because people. Because. Because I've decided. That's hostility. Because. And it just seemed to me that this is, there was no real reason why she wanted to contend with us. we just, just because. And um, it took a whole year for us to get out of this situation. And so in January of last year, I started the year and I said, God, I really want to deal with this. And so it involved our deposit um, with with the and I never realized and for you who, who, are, who are out there right now you know trying to get a place in London it is tough isn't it you know you try, you've got to get a deposit and then if someone takes your deposit or you don't get it back then you've got to have another deposit to put in another place and, and so you can find yourself in a real difficult situation a real real challenge and so that's we found ourselves in this challenge where we're we going to get all this money from we haven't got the money we haven't got the deposit from here because she's holding it we, we can't move forward in another place so we had to believe God and so in January I felt like God just said to me listen settle accounts with this lady so I said I'm going to settle accounts and you know all things went on anyway five months later we're still going still going on and I said what is going on I remember having a conversation with Afonime outside just before the six o'clock service and she was helping me legally as well and a few of the people and she said you know what you really need to pray and we couldn't get this situation resolved until this landlord had responded to us um, on paper, and she just re- refused to respond. Now, I don't know the reason why she refused to respond, um, but just because, just because, because she felt like it, you know. And I decided, 30 minutes, I was sitting there um, at the six o'clock service. And I said, God, I'm just going to pray about this. I'm going to pray. And for 30 minutes, I just went into prayer. And it didn't start off, you know, real passionate. I was real annoyed I think I was on this end, you know, really want to rip my head off and then got into some sort of Holy Spirit stuff. And I just started to bind this, whatever's resistant. This communication. I want to get out of this situation. This person needs to respond, Lord God, in Jesus' name. So, Father God, I pray whatever's blocking this, I just begin to remove it, this contentious spirit, in Jesus' name. And I just begin to pray for 30, 35 minutes in the worship, now I'm sorry to Fabio and the team for not worshiping God, but you know what? I just really went into prayer. I went into prayer, and I tell you, I went home not hearing from this lady thinking that we're still going to have to wait for this situation to be resolved. And then I got an email. I got an email at 6.40. At 6.40, she emailed me back saying, oh, thank you, I've received your information. And that was what I needed. That's what I needed. That's what I needed in order to move forward. And I say, sometimes the devil doesn't want you to move forward. He wants to, he wants to block you. He wants to block you from the well. He wants to keep you in unforgiveness. Like You just want to rip this person's head off. That's what you want to do. He wants to keep you there. Because he knows if he can keep you there, you'll have no life inside of you. You'll get worn down. And you, you won't even have God there because these things, they block God. See, when you start digging up these things and you get rid of these things, then the life flow of the Spirit of God can start flowing on the inside of you again. And I believe that's what God wants to do in our lives. And so three days of prayer. Three days of prayer going back to Onga. On the third day, one of the things we needed was to um, to sign the contract of the house. Now, we put a, a bid in. Uh, we sold up in Northolt. We felt in January of last year we, we needed to move. And I uh, said, we, we can't keep renting. You know, we can't keep um, being having these negotiations over our deposit and, and going through all this stress and this struggle. We need to buy. We need to move forward. So I said to Toyan, we need to move forward. We need to move forward now. And so we sold it in Northolt and the house went through in April. And we put a bid on our current house in February. But for some reason, uh, we needed £20,000 to actually seal the deal on the, on, the, on the thing. And so these are things that we were facing. And then suddenly Toyin's boss just came and said, listen, we haven't been paying you the 3% on calls. So we're going to backdate it by 5% and then you know then we'll pay you the 3%. And that 3% was enough to take us over the line. But yet we still weren't able to get the, the house. and It seemed like it just wasn't moving the way we wanted to. And sometimes you can get frustrated. And you think, God, I just want this whole situation. I mean, it's been two years now. I just want this whole situation to be resolved. And on that day... On Thursday, I was praying and I felt I got a victory. And that was the day. That was the day that we signed the contracts on the house. That was the day we signed the contracts on the house. And I want to show these pictures of the kids because this um, expresses to me, when you start digging a well, you come out on the right side. These are my kids having water fights in the new house. That's Judah. Judah. I told him not to do that, by the way, and then he, and then he did it. You know how that goes. And that's, that's Anna, Anna, Anna Joy. It was Anna Joy's birthday on the 23rd of February, so she'll be three soon. You know, when I go into this house, you know, it expresses what God has done. It says there that God made room for Isaac, and he named it Rehoboth. God made room for him. See, God making room for you is not without the struggle, not without the quarrel, not without the fight, not without, God doesn't promise you an easy ride, but he does promise you that he'll be with you and God will provide for you. And when I go into the house now, I thank God and I say, God, you know what? You've you've blessed us with this property. We don't have one car parking space, two car parking spaces, but three car parking spaces on, on, on a busy road. And um, although we only have three rooms, I have a small room where I can hide away from the kids. And if that doesn't work, I can hide in the garage away from the kids <laughs> and get some space. You know what? And, and, and I just thank God for that. Now, maybe if I was just given that house and hadn't, to go through, hadn't had to go through the struggle, then I wouldn't maybe value it in the same way. And so thank God that even though you may be struggling right now, And you may be going through a difficult time right now. When you do come on the other side, maybe you're going to value what God has been doing.